This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti, of course, Jamie, at Lightning underscore round. And today we're going to mix things up a little bit instead of reviewing the win in Philly. We're going to talk about this coming week playing the Minnesota Vikings at home. So before we do, we got a couple donations and a couple shout outs we want to give right before we get into it. So the first donation is from Stuart Cullen. Uh, he says, hi, gentlemen, keep up the solid work. You guys are by far the most enlightening Chargers podcast. Well, thank you, Stuart. We agree. Super cool. Thanks, Stuart. And the next donation came from Greg Holcomb. He says, hey, guys, Greg from Seattle here. Thanks for the awesome content as always. Thanks. Thank you, Greg. And another one from Julius Lim, who keeps it really simple and just says, beer. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Junius. Uh, thanks, Greg. Thanks, Stuart. We appreciate you guys. And let's just go ahead and get into it. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, what the Chargers need to do to get a win on Sunday. What we saw, we went back and watched some games of the Minnesota Vikings that they've played this season. They are right now three and five on the year. They have had five games decided in the final seconds. Three of those fives went into overtime. They are two and three on closed games. There is a situation that's pretty muddy this week. Mike Zimmer said that 29 people are in close contact protocol, including himself. And of course, we all saw what happened with Dalvin Cook, who is currently has allegations of assault and battery, but he remains eligible to play despite the civil lawsuit. So Dalvin Cook probably still a go. Uh, all the close contact still to be seen. But let's go ahead and talk about the Vikings, Jamie. And, yeah, so uh, I think right off the, the bat, offense. you look at their offense and um, you see that they've scored on their opening drive in seven of eight games, including they had a streak of, I think it was three straight games where they scored touchdowns weeks two through four. And since then, they've been scoring field goals on their opening drives. Um, I believe they scored an opening touchdown against the Ravens last week, too. Uh, they seem to come out hot, uh, scripting plays well, getting their playmakers in a position to make plays. Uh, it seems like if they're going to take shots, they like to do it early in the game, sometimes on the first possession, to try to stretch the defense and loosen things up for Dalvin Cook later in the game. Uh, I think really, you know, a lot of how the Vikings play and how the offense looks has a lot to do with which Kirk Cousins shows up. Uh, Cousins has been putting up numbers, but not necessarily playing particularly well for a lot of this season. I feel like there's a lot of inaccuracy issues. You can rush him a little bit uh, by showing pressure. You don't even have to necessarily create pressure as long as you give him pressure looks, make it look like you're bringing five or six people and then drop them into coverage. You can kind of stump him a little bit, get his feet moving. He'll pull the ball down, hesitate, dump the ball off and throw the ball away wildly at times. So, um, you can definitely get to cousins without necessarily hitting him or getting to him physically just by what you show him pre-snap and making him work through post-snap progressions. Um, and obviously anytime you're talking about this offense, you're talking about Dalvin cook, you're talking about Adam Thielen and you're talking about, um, Justin Jefferson, all of whom are putting up numbers and playing extremely well right now. So cook, I mean, that, 
that offensive line blocks extremely well for Cook. They've got a very strong, athletic group of offensive linemen. They like to get out in front and open up big holes for him. They lean on people. They wear people down. It seems like three or four times a game, Cook is running through a you know, a 747 size, hanger-sized hole, just gashing defenses for big gains. <laughs> so um, this offense has the ability to create big plays in the running game and the passing game. I think it's much more consistent with the big plays in the running game, it seems like. They've had multiple 100-yard rushers early in the season, obviously mostly Dalvin Cook, but also his backup. And I know I'm, I just want to make sure I get his Alexander right. Madison. Yeah, Alexander Madison's had, mm -hmm. I think, one or two 100-yard rushing games too. So um, lots of weapons to consider, uh, lots of ways that they can hurt you, but they're really looking to beat you up on the ground and hurt you in that. 15 to 20 yard range with the intermediate to deep passing and occasionally throwing the ball deep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of uh, talent on this offensive side of the ball. I mean, a top five running back at Delva cook, Justin Jefferson's an emerging star. You talked about it and Thielen's just a real crafty route runner. The issue that I've seen early on is they just cannot consistently get their stars involved. They're on a lot of money downs, I saw a lot of targets to their tight end, Tyler Conklin, and even their wide receiver three, CJ Osborne. The whole, you know, get the ball to your best players mentality is totally lost on this offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak. Uh, the Vikings are going to try to run down the Chargers' throat. You talked about how good the offensive line is. Obviously, they operate behind Dalvin Cook, and they put it on the workload on him. Uh, that's how they op operate. But uh, you know what they're going to have to do to they're going to have to do what they can to limit Cook. Uh, stopping the run is obviously key. But obviously, one thing that we talked about right on after hours was you know jump out to an early lead if you can make Kirk Cousins beat you that's a, a good thing he is turnover prone and that would be a good start for the chargers to jump out in front especially because minnesota is always hot out the gate so if you can get ahead of them in that kind of track race in the first and second quarter then uh, you're looking pretty good now the chargers we don't know which corners are going to play this week but staley's defense is going to have to keep the top on the defense this year like they have most of the year Justin Jefferson's going to get cut loose deep. They script at least two to three plays a game to try to get him some big gainers, but Nasir Adderley's going to have to do his best to help over the top. And, you know, you if you can, give Cousins that fourth and fifth read. You know, he wants to go towards it. And if he's going to that fourth and fifth read, that means he's not getting the stars involved and they're not getting any targets. So, Cousins said last week, and I quote, I think when teams play too deep and drop underneath a lot, we can get in a lot of long yard situations that invites them to play that. It makes it difficult to target receivers down the field on some longer passes. Well, that's what Staley does, too deep. And that's the thing that he's having trouble with so far. So Staley's set up to have a pretty good day on defense. And of course, the Chargers defense is going to have to execute. Yeah, and I think there's going to be some opportunities for them to win some one-on-one -on -one matchups as as well as that Vikings offensive line has played. The guards are relatively inexperienced. I think both mm -hmm. their guards are in their second or third year. Um, there is some vulnerability in both the A and B gaps at times, particularly in pass rush situations. You can see them struggle when, de when defenses overload one side of the line and attack the gaps. Uh, you can sneak through the gaps and, and kind of string out some of those running plays a little bit. Um, and I, you know, I really think this is an opportunity for some of the chargers defensive tackles to start winning some one-on-one -on -one matchups. Um, I think they can push the pocket against this interior line. I think they can 
maybe get to cousins a couple times with their interior guys. And I think if you can, like I said, simulate pressure, give pressure looks and make cousins have to figure out what kind of coverages you're running and who's dropping and who's rushing. He will go to that fourth and fifth option, whether he needs to or not. Uh, you can speed him up. You can make him panic a little bit and you'll see a lot of indecision indecision, a lot of pump fakes, a lot of cousins pulling the ball down, rushing to get the ball out. He struggles with pressure up the middle. Uh, edge pressure from his left can also give him issues. Uh, he'll step up and avoid that pressure from the right more often than not, but you can definitely see his eyes drop and, and watch that rush coming his way up the middle. If you can get a push up the middle and he will be very quick to dump the ball off. And in those short and intermediate, the, in the short, passes, you know, in that like five to 10 yard range, he will float balls high. If you, if you get pressure in his face, he'll miss wide open receivers more often than not. Um, which is why I say, even though he's putting up numbers, I don't think he's playing all that well. I think you can rush him into mistakes. You can rush him into missing open receivers and just throwing the ball away to avoid the pressure. I don't think he likes getting hit very much. Um, and you really want him dumping the ball off to the fullback, CJ Ham. You want him dumping the ball off to their third down running backs. You want him dumping the ball off to Tyler Conklin. Um, what you don't want him doing is getting it out to his first or second read down the field on a consistent basis and, and developing a rhythm. And I think especially the last couple of weeks with the Cowboys and the Ravens, you've seen them speed up his decision-making, make him feel rushed, make him feel panicked in the pocket, making those mistakes in the short to intermediate areas and missing open receivers and not seeing guys downfield. So those, those are some opportunities I think they have there. Yeah. And I think another way to get to him, uh, not only just pressure is, uh, giving him some different looks. I mean, last week he said after the game, he wasn't prepared for what Baltimore showed him. And that's happened to cousins a lot this year. Uh, give cousins a few different looks and you can get to him getting pressure on cousins. Obviously that's vital, but furthermore, if the Chargers can disguise their looks long enough, like they did earlier in the year, they could have a really, really good day. And on top of all that, the Vikings offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, is getting absolutely hammered right now for being too predictable and not getting his stars involved. He's a first-time OC. If you give him a little exotic looks, I mean, the heat's on him already. The media is calling for him to be replaced already, and they're halfway through the season. So he seems a little bit over his head. If you can give him some new looks, I think you can get to Kubiak, you can get to Cousins, and they're going to have their troubles. And then the other thing that I noticed while watching the Vikings – is, is something that the uh, Ravens picked up on last week is uh, what they did early on is they got to the Vikings on first down. Yep. It wasn't the third down blitz. It was early on. They won early. Baltimore pressured Cousins more on first down than third down last week. The game plan was to set up Cousins for second and third and long. We talked about let Cousins beat you, put it in his hands. You set him up for a second and third and long, you're putting it in his hands. On top of that, the Vikings have a pretty predictable go-to run it on second down on the majority of their se series. Uh, the Chargers have a little bit of case of that with Joe Lombardi where they have way too many second down runs. Uh, with a guy like Dalvin Cook, Kubiak wants to rely on him and always gives him that second down run no matter where it's at. If it's second and long, second and short, second and medium, more times than not, Dalvin Cook is going to get handed that ball. So once Baltimore limited the plays on first down, the Minnesota offense had to run more pass plays. Uh, they wanted to, and then they got into that predictable second down run, and then it's third down and long, and and they were in trouble. They let Kirk Cousins beat them. 
uh, you know, if you're also setting up that second, third and long, you're limiting Dalvin Cook, their star. So that's that's obviously a plus as well. And then, you know, early on that game, like you talked about, they jumped out to an early lead against Baltimore, but then they that's because they sat back uh, and blitzed Cook, uh, Cousins on third down. In the second half, they flipped the script. It was early, win early, blitz on first down. Uh, so they were able to get to him, and then Cousins couldn't recover. They ended up winning that game late in overtime. But, you know, obviously stopping the run is key. But given that outside of that Las Vegas game, they haven't been able to do that, they being the Chargers, you know, stopping Cousins and Cook by winning early is going to be key. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, if you look at that Ravens game and you see that the the Vikings put up 31 points, you think, wow, they're really moving the ball. Yeah. They really didn't move the ball that well for the majority of that game. They had a big kickoff return for a touchdown to start the second half that kind of uh-huh. stretched the lead. We'll talk about him. Yeah. The returner. Oh, yeah. yeah we'll get he's, to him. He's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, real good. We'll get to him. <laughs> um, they had a couple turnovers in plus territory that set them up with short fields, and even in some of those cases, they weren't able to punch the ball in for touchdowns. They were kicking field goals. So uh, I didn't think they moved the ball all that well. Um, they had a lot of help from special teams and defense. So I think if you can avoid turning the ball over and you can win on first down and speed cousins up on second and third down and make him feel a little bit panicked, I think you've got a good chance to stop that offense. Yeah. And I think also just, uh, one more thing I want to add is, uh, Christian Darisaw, the left tackle, the rookie, uh, looks so good. He looks so good this season, but I think, uh, Joey Bosa has got a pretty good matchup on the right side against Brian O'Neill. I think this is a game he could have a pretty good uh, impact on. Uh, the Chargers did a pretty good job getting pressure on Hertz early on in Philly, but then Hertz kind of broke out with his legs, and then they broke contain, and then things got a little haywire from there. But Cousins is not that guy, pal. He will stay in the pocket. Bus will be able to get after it on Sunday, and uh, if he's not triple teamed, I think he could have a big impact. Yeah, I think Bosa should have a big impact, and I would even move him around. I think, uh, you know, with the inexperience of their guards, there's been talk about the Chargers playing Bosa inside more. I think on third and long, if you get some of those situations, even third and medium, you want to kick Bosa inside, run some games, run some stunts, twist some guys, and try to create some confusion without necessarily having to blitz. Um, Make them pick up twists and stunts and adjust like that. Um, And then, you know, occasionally you can – I think this this is a good game to unleash Derwin as a blitzer on third down. I think we should see blitz packages for Derwin. I think we should see blitz packages for Kaiser White and for Drew Tranquil. Try to get all three of those guys involved as a fifth rusher as much as you can. And just try to create some havoc up front. Make that young, inexperienced, interior offensive line adjust to what you're doing. Don't let them get comfortable. Yeah. Press them. Pressure them. Attack them. And make them show that they can block you. And I think if you get Bosa inside, you get some of those blitzes going, you know, you you start moving guys around with the twists and the stunts, I think you can create enough havoc without necessarily having to blitz. And right. you can create some one-on-one matchups and trap Cousins in the pocket and get to him and maybe force a couple turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, adding some exotic looks on top of that. I mean, they could, there's, there's a chance this could get out of hand quick. There's, there's this offense looks pretty good. They put up a, a, a lot of points, but they're, they're easy to get after. And uh, the blueprints kind of out on them so far. It looks like, all right, so let's move on to defense. 
so the Vikings announced last week that their star defensive lineman, Danelle Hunter, tore his pectoral. He's out for the rest of the season, but uh, they still got a really strong defensive front with Everson Griffin, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Sheldon Richardson. Their other defensive tackle, Michael, Michael Pierce, has banged up. Uh, Armand Watts has really stepped up in his place, bringing a nice little pass-rushing presence in the middle of the line. And so this is Coach Zimmer's defense. They are the sixth worst in yards per game. Uh, the Chargers have the worst run defense in the league in rushing yards per game. Minnesota, not that far behind, third worst in the league. So this is a game that uh, could see some two 100-yard rushers maybe with Austin Eckler and Dalvin Cook. Uh, they'll be able to get something on the ground on this defense. Yeah, I think their front seven in particular is playing pretty well, even without Michael Pierce being healthy and Hunter being hurt. Um, Griffin, I think, has five sacks on the season. Uh, their interior guys, Tomlinson, is Tomlinson and the other defensive tackles have really stepped up and they're not necessarily getting sacks, but they are collapsing the pocket and they run the Vikings. That is they run primarily a cover two defense. You will see some cover three on third down uh, when they'll walk a safety down into the box on occasion on mainly third and short situations, but they're mostly in cover two. They have a really good group of safeties. Their front seven is really good. Their corners are really bad. Uh, there is a lot of opportunity to attack these corners. So I think, you know, you look at a front seven like the Vikings and you think, man, they're really good against the run. Well, they flow to the ball really well. Their linebackers are really good side sideline to sideline. Uh, their linebackers are not nearly as effective coming downhill and filling against the run. So I think this is a lineup. This is a defensive front. I should say that in spite of some of the size they have up front, you don't want to run sideline to sideline. I don't think a lot of stretch plays, outside zone plays, certainly not the pitches that the tosses that we saw <laughs> last weekend. I was just going to mention that. I don't think these plays are going to be successful because of the way the the linebackers in particular flow to the ball and because of the way all these guys tackle. I don't think you want to play to their speed. I think you want to negate their speed by running downhill at them, particularly behind the guards. I think you can have a lot of success running behind Corey Lindsley, running behind Matt Filer. You know, on occasion running behind Rashawn Slater, they should have a lot of success, a lot of success running downhill to the left. Once you start trying to run outside the tackle box, you start trying to stretch them out. That's when they start to chase you down. They just, they, they close, they fill quickly mm -hmm. and it's really hard to beat them to the edges. Um, so I think you want to pound them up the middle as much as you can. And then I think from a coverage standpoint, you want to play to the boundaries as much as you can with your wide receivers. Their wide receivers are not very effective at all. I'm sorry. Their corners, corners. are not very effective at all. I think I don't particularly think Cameron Dantzler or Mackenzie Alexander are suited to covering Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I think this could be another big game, multiple catch hundred plus yard game for Mike Williams. We could see some big plays for him. Uh, I think they've got, they'll have plenty of opportunity to play, to be, to be making plays really between from the numbers to the boundaries early in the game, outbreaking routes, hitch routes, things like that. You could probably run some fades. Their safeties play really well. They cover the middle of the field extremely well. Um, Harrison Smith, I believe, is out for this game. He's in COVID protocols. He missed last week's game, and I think he's out this week too. Um, but his replacement, Cameron Bynum, is playing really well and had an amazing diving one-handed interception against the Ravens last week. Uh, between Xavier Woods and uh, and Cameron Bynum, those guys cover a ton of ground, and they like to kind of pinch the middle. So if you can attack the boundaries early and force them to widen out a little bit and cut and respect the boundaries more, 
there will be opportunities for seam routes uh, in that, you know, 15, 20 yard range. And you might be able to start stretching them up the middle between the hashes. If you can force them to fan out towards the, towards the boundaries a little bit more. There's a lot of injuries on this defensive front too. They played really good at the beginning of the year, but they are depleted and ripe for the picking. I talked about Donnell Hunter not being there. Michael Pierce not being there. You talked about Harris, Harrison Smith probably not being there. He got COVID last week. Patrick Peterson is out, who was their best corner uh, this season. And they've got 29 players in close pro uh, contact protocol. So who knows about that? But this is just not the same defense they were at the beginning of the year who were ranked fourth against the pass. They just gave up 500 yards of offense to the Ravens. I mean, Justin Herbert should go on the attack on Sunday, and it's all about getting a big lead early and bleeding that clock out late. We talked about that. Uh, Lombardi should absolutely cut this offense loose. Uh, this is a banged-up defense, and this might turn into a horse race where they're going to have to put up a lot of points because this offense is potent at times. So that with with the way their corners are playing right now, the way all the injuries on the front, they should absolutely attack the Vikings defense and there's one other thing I wanted to mention that uh, happened uh, last Sunday against the Ravens that really hurt the Vikings uh, defensively and that was the Baltimore offense controlled the clock and that's something the Chargers will have to do this Sunday you know last Sunday we saw the Chargers hold the ball at 630 left in the game bled the clock out all the way to a win and on the other side Minnesota jumped out to a quick lead they had quick scores then Baltimore bled them dry the Ravens had the ball for 46 minutes while Minnesota had it for 23. Chargers got to try to do the same on Sunday. They got to control the clock. I know uh, being able to run it on Minnesota will be easy, which will help eat time. But it's all about that time of possession because it's going to be important when you got guys like Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen on the other side. So this is a defense that a lot of people have uh, named this bend but don't break, but seems to kind of snap when it counts. So early on, they won't bend, they won't break, and then eventually they'll break late in the game. And that's what they've done all year. So this is a, de a defense that that might be able to hold uh, uh, Justin Herbert to you know only a few points early on, but they should absolutely break out late. And hopefully Lombardi kind of takes the training wheels off and just lets them go on Sunday. Yeah, I just think they need to be on the attack. I think early, I think hopefully... Ideally, this is kind of a tale of two halves for the Chargers. I think the first half, you want to get an early stop, build an early lead with mm -hmm. long, time-consuming drives. Yep. Drag it out, keep that defense on the field, keep your defense off the field, and end drives with touchdowns. In the second half, hopefully you've got a two, three-score lead. Now you want to turn up the tempo. You want to play a little faster, score fast, take them out of the running game, take them out of their their tempo and their pace. You want to dictate the tempo to them, make them play fast, and make them feel like they have to throw the ball over the yard. I think that's – and then blitz Cousins early and mm -hmm. get get to them early and, make, and force some mistakes. I think if you can get them out of the comfort zone of running the ball on first and second down and you can force Cousins to, to beat you and you can speed him up a little bit like we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. I think there's a good chance to win this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, I, I think we got to go move on to special teams here because this is this is very important because they have an electric returner in this Kene Wongwu. He had one hell of a return against the Ravens last week. Uh, he, I mean, he looked like a vision. blur. Yeah, great <laughs> vision, explosive speed, one cut and gone, mm -hmm. and nobody had a prayer of catching him. No, uh, 
he's going to be a problem for the Chargers, especially uh, with Ryan Smith being hurt. Yes, the special teams take a hit, so they're going to have to really be on their on on point. Hopefully, they're kicking the ball in the end zone and not giving him many opportunities to return it. Kick it deep. I know they experimented with some short kicks uh, last week when they had the lead in Philly. This is a completely different situation. I don't think they can experiment with short kicks. I don't think they can encourage and Wu to return these these kicks. Kick it deep, pin them deep. Just start at the twenty five and try to get the defense to get a couple of stops. If you can get two or three stops early, you got a really good chance of winning this game. He was a blur for that touchdown uh, last week, and then he also had a he took a fake punt for a first down. Uh, they utilized him as a as a running back on a fake punt. So he was a, a big contributor on special teams. And you're right, with Ryan Smith out with that torn ACL now for the year, I mean, he really gave the special teams a boost when he came on. I mean, it was immediate. He made a big impact. So, you know, uh, hopefully the special teams stays clean. Uh, they got to be sound on Sunday because if not, Kane Wangwu is going to absolutely hurt them. So... All right, we talked about offense, defense, special teams. Let's do our little prediction here, Jamie. Do you think the Chargers win? What's the score? I do think they win. I'm going to say they win 33-24. Oh, okay, so by two scores. Yep. I think it ends up getting close. I mean, every game, it seems like almost every game the Vikings play this year has been really close, and they lose. So I'm going to say something like, 27 23 chargers uh it's still going to be one score but the chargers uh will probably be up two scores vikings get a garbage touchdown at the end there to get it kind of close but not enough to win so 27 23 for me uh you got them give me your score again 33 24 33 24 but we both have the chargers winning so there we go all right that was our recap thanks everybody for listening Uh, Make sure to join us for After Hours. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and the podcasts and all that other stuff. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.